my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in the incredibly beautiful city of Adelaide. I'm also your Drive Time presenter every Tuesday and Wednesday it is such a privilege uh, to be able to share uh, with uh, with you uh, right now. Now, folks, uh, normally we have uh, our two regular presenters, and of course, I, normally I actually present on Tuesday and Wednesday. Today is not Tuesday or Wednesday. Today is Friday, uh, so uh, that means I shouldn't be presenting. But our good mate Nick, uh, he's uh, actually having a, a month off. He uh, he deserves a well earned break. He puts a he does a fantastic fantastic work uh, in ministering on uh, on air and uh, I'm actually taking uh, Nick's place today. Also our other regular Friday Friday host is uh, Tracy and uh, Tracy uh, this is the last Friday of the month and that's the one part of the month she can't uh, actually uh, share uh, share with us. So uh, we've lost Nick We've lost Tracy, uh, but today uh, we've got uh, uh, two myself, uh, and we've also got uh, Brenton uh, Brenton Wilkinson. Now, Brenton is the pastor of the southeast region of South Australia. That's Mount Gambia, Millicent, Rendlesham, Narracourt. Uh, welcome to you, Brenton. Thank you, Gary. Pleasure to be on again. Uh, look, look, Brendan, it's fantastic to have you. I know that you also do a tremendous amount of work. I know that uh, at the end of this year, you're actually moving, I understand, from Mount Gambia back here well, to Adelaide. Well, uh, we're planning to come back to Adelaide again. We've had three years down here, and it's been three very, very enjoyable years, but also very, very full years. Yeah. And uh, I think we need to start slowing down a bit, Gary. You're not getting any <laughs> That's younger. the best way of putting it. You're like the rest of us. You're not getting any younger. No, no, no. My body is telling me it's not getting any younger. But um, <laughs> nevertheless, uh, the opportunity to share God's word and uh, thoughts on uh, Faith FM is something I always look forward to. So yeah, yeah. it's an absolute privilege to be on with you again on Drive Time on this Friday afternoon. Well, I'm really looking forward next year to you actually coming back uh, to Adelaide because you'll actually be here. You'll be based here, which means that I'm I'm really hoping that you'll consider running some of our programs for us. So listeners. May well hear uh, just a little bit more of your uh, of your wisdom and your your understanding. Now, of course, this week we've actually been uh, following the theme biblical parenting in a post Christian world, and of course, we have the yes. really good news is uh, this week. Uh, well, today actually, we actually have uh, a uh, a second presenter, and uh, it was. It's fantastic uh, to be able to uh, uh, talk to him uh, earlier earlier today. Uh, this was uh, th- this is what we shared together. He summed it up. He brought the whole week together just so so well. Uh, really appreciated, uh, Paul Borges. You'll discover more about him uh, in uh, in this interview. Please uh, please enjoy. 
It's also fantastic to have uh, have with me today uh, Paul Borges. Now, Paul's a lecturer and counselling strand convenier in the School of Arts and Business at Avondale University. Now, welcome to you, Paul. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good, good to chat to you, Gary. It really is great to have you uh, on board. Uh, it's fantastic to have somebody from Avondale University. We'll come to that in just a moment. But tell me, has summer arrived in uh, in Avondale yet? Well, finally it has. We've had a, a huge and ridiculous amount of rain. But, yes, the jacarandas are out. You will remember the jacaranda trees on the oh, Avondale yes. campus. They're all, they're all blooming. And as I look out my window here, uh, I can't see a lot of clouds. So, yeah, we've had a few days that have been warmer, which has been lovely. Uh, look, look, I tell you, I love Avondale in the spring, particularly when those jacarandas are, are out. Uh, what a beautiful scenic campus uh, Avondale, Avondale really is. And now, of course... Of course, Avondale is is no longer a college like it was when when I attended uh, attended there. But now it's a university, uh, and uh, it, it's obtained university status. And uh, of course, in those days, there was no counselling course. Now, uh, you're uh, the head of the counselling strand. Now, can you tell us just a little bit about about this before I go to the discussion? I'd like to you know, mm, I'd like sure. to pick up with you. Um, is this an undergraduate course? I mean, yeah, no, happy to answer that, Gary. Uh, we offer both undergraduate and postgraduate courses. So our undergraduate is a counselling specialisation as part of the Bachelor of Arts, and our postgraduate course, which I'm the course convener, is a graduate diploma in counselling. So both of those degrees make our students industry ready. In other words, when they graduate, they apply for jobs. We help them with that. We give them. Uh, references and our students end up in all kinds of counselling and counselling related jobs from uh, working with a a disability agency called um, Ability Options. Uh, We've had uh, Samaritans first. We have a couple of students there who work for the Samaritans. Mm. We have a number who work as school counsellors. So our courses are very experiential and they're designed specifically to get people to work as professional therapists. Okay, so your students, when they've graded, can gain professional recognition and uh, uh, registration? Yes, yes. So our course is accredited with PAC for the Psychotherapy and Counselling Federation of Australia. Mm-hmm. So our students, when they finish, can get provisional registration, which is what happens in all courses. Mm-hmm. And then after they've done two or three years of extra work, they can become full clinical members. So that's the normal procedure towards registration. I'm hearing uh, very, uh, very good feedback concerning the course there. Now, look, how practical is it? I mean, do you regard this as a, is this fairly theoretical or do you try to put a fair bit of practice into it? Yeah, it's actually very experiential. Yes, we do theory and people need to understand theories of change. They need to understand about psychopathology. They need to understand various treatment options and need to understand something of the history of psychotherapy, where we've come, you know, since the days of, of Sigmund Freud. Yeah. So we certainly do theory, but there's a lot of experiential. Students end up, by the time they graduate, they've had to do 10 recordings that are assessments. They've hopefully done a lot more than that, but they've mm-hmm. done 10 recordings that are assessed. So we track the students' progress from that first recording in the first year right through to the last one 
just handed in just before graduation. Okay. I, I well remember when I was at Avondale, I certainly, uh, uh, in the course that I undertook, we had to do uh, recordings and uh, uh, I found that to be one of the, uh, in those days it was it was somewhat threatening actually. Well, it's still <laughs> threatening, Gary. It's still threatening and students don't like seeing themselves on video, but you learn a lot by looking back at your session and going, oh, why did I say that? What was that about? You know, what yeah. got triggered in me that I said something which is actually quite judgmental? You know, where did that come from? And yeah. that's the sort of things we look at in supervision. Yeah. Gary, while, uh, while I've, I've got this opportunity, I'd just like to say that uh, we've got something exciting happening for our undergraduate counselling students for next year. This is the first time ever. Mm. And uh, this is very unusual for private institutions to be able to get Commonwealth supported places for counselling. We've managed to get these for next year and the year after. And that means that any student who starts next year or the year after will, for the duration of their course, pay about a quarter, a little bit more than a quarter of the normal fee. So if they are using student loans, they will have thousands and thousands of dollars less debt by the time they graduate because of these CSPs that we've been given by the government. So what has happened is the government has recognised that we have a shortage of mental health professionals and so they released a number of Commonwealth supported places specifically for counselling which they haven't done before and we applied and we're fortunate blessed enough to get some of those and we have a good number of those so we're really keen for students to know that next year and the year after studying counselling at Avondale is a lot cheaper than it ever been and a lot cheaper than it would be at other private institutions. Oh, look, that that is something that, and look, I, I would actually recommend to our listeners uh, the the program that you're actually running. I'm certainly getting incredibly high feedback. I know that the the nursing course that's run there at Avondale, I believe, has uh, been ranked officially as number one in Australia, second to none in Australia. I think that's a that's a, something that needs to be shouted from the uh, from the hilltops. And uh, I, I see uh, counselling as uh, as being uh, a course that's going to move in a very similar uh, type. Type of uh, type of direction. Really appreciate that. Look, if in fact no. a person does want to, uh, you know, I suppose um, consider Avondale in uh, yep. in this counselling option, how do they go about doing that? Probably the easiest would be simply to email study at avondale.edu.au and someone will get back to them. Okay, so that's probably the easiest. There are some links, but uh, uh, on the website as well. But probably the easiest way is to simply. Email study at avondale.edu.au. Ah, look, thank you so much for that. I believe some of our listeners will actually pick that up. Now, look, the reason we're actually talking today, we're actually not talking about Avondale, but, of course, uh, this week uh, we've been talking on our Drive Time program on the subject of uh, biblical parenting in a post-Christian world. And uh, you've just written an, uh, an article. I just actually noticed it just, just this morning, and uh, it's entitled How to Keep Your Child Out of Therapy, and it's subtitled Top Tips for balanced parenting. Now, you start by sharing your experience with um, riding your bike along a main highway uh, to school every single day uh, when you were when you were going to, to primary and high school with no no helmet, uh, no safety gear. Now, I, when I have to admit, uh, when you when I read that story, I, I I thought, wow, how similar is that to my own upbringing? Well, do I remember going off to school as a as a as a Little tacker, and uh, certainly in a in a very similar type of uh, type of manner. Now, 
you actually contrast that uh, with a talking to parents at a primary school where you suggested that it was good to allow children to climb trees. Now, I, I sort of thought, hey, there's nothing unremarkable about this, but apparently after the talk, a teacher told you that you were uh, being, you had said a brave thing as this was something that parents at that school wouldn't allow their children to do. Now, to me, when uh, when I read that, I sort of thought, hey, that really does uh, symbolise so much that's actually occurring within our society right now. Now, look, are you, were you highlighting two extremes? I mean, do you think that uh, we're forever going to be stuck with buying acres of cotton wool for our kids? You know, are things changing at all? I, th- I think what we do, Gary, is we want to create the illusion that we can eliminate risk. Yeah. And it's an illusion because, you know, the only safe thing is to be dead, but it's also very boring. So, yeah, if, if you want to live life, you have to take risk. Mm. Uh, there is no way of really living life. Now, obviously, you know, riding a bike down Bruce Highway with semi-trailers and four lanes of traffic probably wasn't the smartest thing. We yeah. know better today, you know. Um, that was taking unnecessary risk. Yeah. But there were ways, I think, of managing risk and teaching kids. For example, if a kid climbs a tree mm. and it does it, you know, with a parent there to say, now be careful of that branch, try that branch, give it a bit of a tug, says, well, hold your weight, they learn how to actually think, how to evaluate risk, how to make choices. You know, whoops, if I do that, I might fall, get a broken arm, that won't be good, so I'll do that instead. And they build resilience. They actually develop their physical body. What we have today is so many of our kids who do not get off their devices. They're not going outside. They're not climbing trees. They're not kicking a ball. They're not throwing a Frisbee. They're not riding their bikes. They are stuck on on the device. And we know in the research that has come out, on that in the last 10 years on the effect of children is really powerful, but it's just not good for kids. I mean, when you get out there and you process the chemicals and the toxins in your body and get rid of those endorphins, and deal with your cortisol, that stress hormone, you know, why do we feel better when we go for a run? Why do we feel better? Well, because we've lowered our anxiety, we've lowered our stress, we've processed stuff. And, and that's what's not happening for a lot of kids today. I mean, the amount of kids that get dropped off at school by their parents, I mean, you and I would remember that it was unusual if your parents dropped you at school. Generally, you got yourself to school. Bus, walk, um, push bike. Today, most parents are now dropping their kids off at school. And yet, the interesting thing is, while there's much more publicity about the danger to children, abductions, the research shows, mm. it's no more dangerous now for a kid to walk to school than it was 50 years ago. There's always been a risk. There's always been a small risk that yeah, something could happen, very, very small risk. And and there's actually no more of that going on, but we hear about it a lot more. And so yeah. we, we, we react based on fear. I, I'm really quite interested with that statement that you make in, in this, this article that you wrote. Um, there is reliable research to say that overprotective parenting can lead to higher anxiety in children. In other words, um, we might be protecting them from one form of anxiety, but we're actually creating an, another form. Well, see, see we, we would say that we're not actually protecting them from a form of anxiety, we are colluding with their avoidance. Because the way that you deal with anxiety is not through avoidance. Because if, for example, Mm -hmm. I have a fear of water, and if I then just make sure I never jump in a lake, never go in a river, never go water skiing, never go on a jet ski, never Mm -hmm. do any of that, my system picks up from that 
because I get rewarded for that. My anxiety goes down. Oh, I don't have to go. I can stay home if the family's going out. So I am reinforcing in my head that water is dangerous and I'm actually increasing my fear of water by avoiding it. So one of the things we do in treatment and through standard treatment for phobia and anxiety is to actually get people to start to confront the very thing that they're afraid of because avoidance strengthens the fear. So when mum or dad overprotects your scared little Johnny and mm. allows them, oh, you don't have to go to school today because you don't want to have to run in the sports carnival or that's okay or this is okay, they momentarily, Johnny's happy and they feel like they've done their kid a favour but they have not helped their kid deal with life. They have colluded with their avoidance, which in the long term is not healthy. Yeah, I, I really appreciate what you're saying because I know that I've spoken to so many uh, uh, teachers who uh, say that, you know, I mean, they've uh, they've reprimanded some child in the classroom um, only to have the child go home to their uh, to their parent and their parent goes running off to the back to the school uh, that the you know complaining at the that the um, uh, the teacher has in fact done something wrong and I I don't know how it was with you but I know when I was uh, uh, certainly at high school I mean in those days uh, you could actually get six of the best and once or twice I did actually get six of the best but you know I, I will remember that if I did uh, get you know the uh, get the cane at, at school there's one thing I never did I never told <laughs> mum and dad never because you would have got it again yeah. <laughs> I'd just get it again you know so why would you tell mum and dad about and, it and we're certainly not advocating going back to corporal punishment yes, I mean yes, yes, a, yes. you know that's the other extreme I yes. mean yeah, good research suggests that hitting children is not a helpful way of discipline and yeah. it's usually punishment and it's usually reactive however um, yeah, my wife read this article Last night, she was telling me this morning, she, uh, a few years ago, she's a primary teacher, yeah. she had a uh, kid who had attended, I think, only 40% of classes all year. Mm. So 60% of the time, he'd been allowed to stay home. So Jill, being a good school teacher, goes and rings the mum and says, what's going on? You know, she'd had contact with her on and off all year, trying yeah. to get this kid to come to school. Yeah. The, the response of the mother was fascinating because she said, Oh, so-and-so naming the kid, he doesn't like you. I think when he goes to high school, he will, he will do better and he will attend school more because he'll like his teachers. <laughs> now, um, the, the reality is this kid went to high school and his attendance is exactly the same. Yeah. The other, the other interesting thing about this story was that mum's, after coming in and talking to my wife, she said, oh, I know what I'll do. He really wants a dirt bike. I'll promise him if he goes to school for the rest of the year, he'll get a dirt bike. So he comes to school for five days. For one week, she buys him a dirt bike, yeah. then he just stops coming to school. So this is what <laughs> we mean by permissive, lax, mushy parenting, bit off would call that. Yeah. I mean, and that kid now, you know, he's in high school. He's attending less than 50%. You know, he's... There are going to be regrets for that later on in life when he can't put a sentence together, when he can't do some simple maths, which is needed for his work. You know, this is not setting our kids up for success. Okay. Let me suggest to you that there are three parenting styles that have had extensive study, authoritarian, yep. autocratic, and laissez-faire. Those three parenting styles well established yep. in the yep. family education literature. Yep. Consistently, the results are that Authoritarian parenting, not autocratic, but authoritarian parenting comes out as producing 
the healthiest, more emotionally balanced kids. So it's that it's that mixture that Bidoff um, refers to in, in the article that I wrote where he talks about a mixture of soft love and tough love. Yeah, yeah. Look, if I can just come to to that, if I possibly can. Now, look, um, uh, in your article, and must I say, I must say that it's an incredibly user friendly uh, article. And I really did did appreciate it. You actually point to four factors that seem to uh, inhibit children from becoming resilient adults. Now, um, if I can just sort of pick up on j- just a couple of those, you, you talk about uh, the um, uh, the the fact that modelling by parents or caregivers that we have to keep everybody happy um, actually inhibits children becoming resilient adults. Now, why is that an issue? Because what we do is we train our kids to walk on eggshells around people, to be non-assertive, to always put their own needs last, Mm-hmm. and never actually do any decent self-care because if the family rule you have is everybody else is more important than I am, yep. then you're always going to put your needs last again and again and again and again. That's not healthy self-esteem. Yep. Uh, it's, you know, I, I think the Bible puts it so well when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. He doesn't say more. He doesn't say less. Yes. So there are times to put your neighbor first and there are times to put yourself first. Yes. And if parents don't model that, yeah, if one parent, for example, is always giving in to the other parent and doing whatever they can, we call this a placating communication style, always mm. placating. Mm. We just want, you know, Christians are nice people. Let's mm. keep everybody happy and nice. Mm. Well, you know, that that's an interesting myth because when I read the New Testament, Jesus wasn't always nice. Um, mm. and sometimes he that's was true. very direct and very firm. He wasn't yes. always nice. His aim was not to be nice. His aim was to be authentic. Yes. And... And I, I think what we need is authentic parenting that realistically communicates to kids, hey, you aren't going to keep everybody happy. And mm. if you have a breakup with your friends at school, it does not mean that your friends are terrible, horrible people and I need to go in there and blast the parents and whatever. It doesn't mean any of that. Mm. That's life. That's what happens. How are you going to move on from that? How are you going to to actually not feel that you need to fix everything. I think when we feel as adults we have to fix everything, we become rescuers. And that's a recipe for depression and exhaustion. Uh, what you're actually sharing there. You, you, another point that you actually make is that, you know, young people have a need, a real need for a strong, reliable attachment figure. Now, Paul, the reality is, is that, you know, we're living in a time of, I suppose, a time poor environment. You know, a lot of our, mm-hmm. our parents, our caregivers are really struggling. Those who even listen to this program, they'll listen to it on the radio coming home from car, in the car. Uh, but they're really time poor. How do I, how do I create this, um, satisfy our young person's need for a strong, reliable attachment figure? in the type of environment we've got. Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? Because, I mean, when um, you and I grew up, often there was only one parent working. Yeah. Um, today, that's unusual. Generally, both parents are working and there's all kinds of stressors and, of course, so many distractions now as well. I, While I think time, amount of time is important, I'm not sure it's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's the quality of time, as we often say, it's quality, not quantity. I think it's both but probably quality is a little bit uh, more important. Yeah. So actually, I, I think time 
for family to do stuff is a little bit like what we have to do in a marriage. I mean, lots of couples, as you would know, Gary, mm. do date nights, you know, where yeah. once a week they go out, they go to a restaurant, they sit down and they turn off their phones and actually talk to each other. Mm. Well, we kind of need to have similar rituals in our families, I think. Rituals have sort of become a dirty word because we, you know, there were lots of rules when you and I grew up. Yeah. Yeah. And so our generation has kind of reacted to that and yeah. gone, oh, just whatever happens, happens. Yeah. But I think what the, the downside of that is we haven't valued family rituals, the things that the family regularly does together mm. that are important and more important than the urgent. And mm. they would only be rescheduled if there was, you know, a, a life-threatening emergency. But uh, anything else can wait because this is what we do as a family on Friday night or this is what we do Sunday night. We mm. sit down, we play a game together or we'll, or we choose a movie we want to watch together on Saturday night, yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. And I think that's particularly so when the kids still wanting to be at home a lot, which is you know primary school, late primary school, early high school. Over to see that changes during adolescence. But we need to make the most of of that time. I think the other thing that breeds a secure attachment is telling our kids regularly that we are proud of them. Mm. I think mm. that's just so important. Mm. Um, the, the other thing, and, and I was a school counsellor for some years, and I remember this kid, 15-year-old, she wasn't great at maths, but she'd got a B. She was mm. so proud of it. She went home, best mark she'd ever got in a maths test. She went home, and she said to her, look, i got a B. And he just looked at it and said, I expect an A next time. Mm. The kid came back to my office and said, there is no point trying. I'm never going to be able to make Dad happy or make him mm. proud of me. Mm. Mm. And I, I could have wept, mate. I, I, you know, it, it was just like, wow, that yeah. is just so awful. This poor kid had worked hard. So she just went, I'm just going to give up. Mm. She said, I can never get an A. I don't have that sort of a maths brain. I worked hard to get this. Um, and, and that's, I think, what we mean by, by some of this emotional well-being to foster in our kids. Mm, yeah, I really appreciate that because I suppose increasingly I'm becoming conscious of this need to establish a mentor uh, for a many for, for all of us seem to need somebody at some point in our life that can build us up, who can mentor us, who can show us a better way of doing things, and uh, and, and who's proud of us, who's proud of who accepts us and is proud of what we have done and yeah. really believes in us, you know, believes that we have the ability to achieve. Uh, thank you for that, Paul. You also mentioned about the, you know, how important it is um, uh, if we're going to build resilient uh, adults uh, to not be always rescuing children uh, from natural consequences. Yep. Now, let me just ask you on this one. You know, in rescuing, aren't I simply supporting them? No, I would see a real difference. Um, the parent who who goes to school to argue with their teacher why their kid did nothing wrong, mm. for example, is rescuing their kid rather than saying, you know, I'm going to let you and the teacher work this out. And unless the teacher's a bully or, you know, this has mm, happened numerous mm. times, or unless, and let's face it, most teachers are not. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah I, I firmly believe that if parents just stand back and go, that's between you and the school, um, that you, you got to sort that out. You knew the rules. You chose not to obey the rules. So therefore, yeah, there's going to be some, there's going to be some consequences to that. 
And it doesn't really matter whether the parent thinks the consequences are too harsh or whatever. That's actually somewhat irrelevant because that's what life is like. You know, we get all sorts of consequences for things and some of them are probably justified and some are not. But we're trying to get kids ready for the real world. And in the real world, life is not fair. So, yeah, let's say they do get treated a bit unfairly by Mm. somebody at school in authority, the deputy principal or somebody like that. I don't know that we, unless it's an extreme case, to go in there and blast the teacher and whatever, maybe that can be used as a lesson as, well, it does sound a bit unfair and this is an excellent opportunity for you to learn something you're going to meet again and again and again and again called unfairness because life is horribly unfair. And our, our young people need to learn that there are ways of coping with that. And one is to let go of the irrational belief that everyone must treat me fairly. That's an unhelpful belief for emotional well-being. So the, you, you would say that that is irrational? Oh, it's been... There's a, uh, a cognitive behavioural therapy called Rational Emotive Behavioural Therapy, okay. a very well-known way of dealing with people. Uh, Albert Ellis was its founder in the 50s and 60s, and he identified this belief that I... Um, that life must be fair and everybody must treat me the way I ought to be treated. He identified that as an irrational belief. And I find that really, really helpful. Mm. I find that really, really helpful when people get so mad and so upset about something it's often because they haven't been treated fairly. And sometimes, I, you know, maybe they need to stand up for themselves. Other times, it's not something they have any control over. Mm. So how do we make peace with, yes, I've been Treat it unfairly and that's okay because that's the world is. And as Christians, I mean, Jesus did this all the time. Mm. I mean, he, he copped a lot of unfairness mm. um, and, and that was okay with him. I love the way that you're actually pulling this together. Look, the, the last point that you make is, uh, uh, you know, if you want to build resilient adults, then, you know, avoid indulgent parenting. Now, um, mm. you know, you make a statement there in, in this article, children don't need more things, they need more attachment. Do you just want to enlarge on that a little bit? That was so well illustrated me years ago when uh, this 14-year-old kid did an assessment for depression, did an assessment for suicide, got quite some suicidal thoughts I was concerned about him. So I said to him, to mum, and he said, no, you can't do that. I said, what's that happen if I do that? Mum would yell at me and tell me ungrateful kid I am. And he said, do you remember those pictures I'll show you at my house? And he lived in a mansion by the water. Every toy, the latest phone, all the gadgets. He said, mum will just tell me I'm so ungrateful because they worked so hard to give me all of this stuff. How dare I think? of feeling sad or happy with life or of hurting my And I remember sitting there and going, this is so, so tragic that these parents who obviously are very hard workers, earned a lot of money, showered, he was an only child, showered their kid with all of that, but that's not actually what he needed. He needed a mum he could go to to say, I really feel awful. I feel terrible. I feel sad most days. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what he needed and he didn't mm-hmm. have it. Um, and... That I guess that's where that statement came from, that story. 
Yeah, look, I really appreciate that. We do need to do need to finish on this, Paul. We've gone a little bit uh, a little bit over time, but uh, look, I uh, really do appreciate uh, your ministry. I appreciate your leadership and your input on this particular issue. Uh, Paul is the uh, uh, is the lecturer and counselling strand convener at the School of Arts and Business at Avondale University, and he runs the uh, the counselling course there. And I would recommend uh, that uh, uh, that course to you, Paul. Thank you so much for uh, uh, joining with us. I'd love to have you come on again. Really appreciate your input. Really appreciated how uh, uh, Paul actually pulled together uh, our uh, the thoughts that we've been able to share uh, all all this week. And uh, really, I want to say a big shout out to all our mates over there at Avondale College, Avondale University now, uh, because uh, they do such a, such a wonderful a wonderful job. And guys, look, let's come to some uh, some music, and then we're going to come back to uh, my other co-host, that's uh, uh, Pastor Brenton Wilkinson, and uh, we're going to be. Uh, uh, talking more uh, on uh, on this particular subject as the uh, hour counts down. Uh, please enjoy the uh, the Cinzio family. Uh, the Lord uh, is my shepherd. Please enjoy.
Beautiful song that uh, really is. That's it is uh, a great song. A fantastic mm. song, isn't it, Brendan? The Sinzio mm. family. Uh, the Lord is one. my shepherd. Mm. It's uh, I only just recently discovered, and I thought, thought, hey, that's we've actually already played it this week. But I thought, no, I'm going to play it again. No, uh, okay. uh, one of the things I love is being able to choose some of the music uh, for our uh, for our program. Now, of course, folks, um, we do have a giveaway uh, for you today. Uh, the giveaway is a, a book entitled "A Family First. My now, this is by Jim. Uh, Homburger. Uh, now, uh, th- this book uh, is a real little beauty. It's not a long book. It's a short book. But what it's uh, talking about is how can I build up? How can I encourage uh, my my family? And uh, this is so essential in the uh, day, the age in which we're living. Now, look, if you'd like your own copy of Family First, uh, all you need to do is to text us here at our, uh, at our drive time text number. That number is 04 888 808 11. And all you need to put in your text is the code SA82. Now, no gap between the SA and the 82. And that actually just goes through to our robot. So you're not going to be pestered by any person. Uh, just a robot is going to ask you some, uh, some questions, uh, so that, uh, uh, information that uh, will enable us to get this book to you in the fastest way possible. And, uh, that's something that, uh, I know many of our listeners Listeners have taken advantage of, and uh, many people have really appreciated uh, this literature that uh, uh, certainly our drive time and our entire Faith FM team uh, share in each and every program. So, uh, once again, that text number is 04888-80811, and the code is SA. 82. Now, you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary, and today our co-host, uh, well, we've actually got two co-hosts, we've uh, uh, we've heard uh, from uh, 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 Paul Borges from Avondale College, he brought together, he pulled together uh, this week's thoughts uh, just so incredibly, incredibly well. Uh, he did now, a good job. It, it, it was really something there, wasn't it, Brenton? Mm, it yeah, was, yeah. yeah. Really and, uh, enjoyed it. Look, our co-host today, uh, our second co-host is, in fact, Brenton Wilkinson, and Brenton is the pastor uh, of the Seventh Day Adventist churches in the southeastern region of South Australia. That's uh, areas like uh, Mount Gambia, Millicent, uh, Rendlesham. Um, the, the, this area is a real beauty. You've got the Blue Lake down there. If you've never travelled down to this area, it is a beautiful, beautiful area. I don't know how you can actually leave it. Uh, Brenton. <laughs> it is a good area to live in. Uh, to give you some idea, I'm not sure, but um, the listeners might be interested to know the size of my parish. I have church members about 25 kilometres the other side of Bordertown, wow. uh, remembering that I live at uh, at um, Mount Gambier. What sort of distance I is have, that? Uh, what, what sort of distance is that? Uh, it would be 205 k's, I suppose, wow. two, probably, probably 210 k's from here. Yeah. Um, I have also church members who live at Nelson over the border in Victoria, just oh. over the border on the Glenelg River. And they're only about 30 kilometres away. I have church members in Millicent, in Rendlesham, uh, 
uh, in the Beachport area, I think it's known more commonly as South End. Some mm. people may have been to South End, a lovely, lovely bay, one of the best in South Australia. And then there's another family up at Kingston Southeast. We have people in Narracourt. Um, in other words, all over. So the reason why I might have mentioned the other day when you asked me how much travelling I did is simply the fact that uh, the church family is spread fairly widely in the yeah, southeast yeah, Gary. Yeah. You've got a very special group of people down there, actually. Look, we do need to get they're into... Good, they're we, good folk. We do good need folk. to get into our subject, however, because I'm really conscious that our time is getting away from us. Now, of course, this week, we're actually dealing with the subject, biblical parenting is our theme, in a post-Christian world. And today, just to bring it all together, just I just wanted to talk about this, uh, this issue of how can I encourage or build up spiritual Spirituality in family. Now, uh, this this issue, I think, is just uh, so key. Now, I know we've only got about fifteen minutes uh, uh, to actually talk about this, but I think it, it is one of those uh, aspects of family life that is so easy to leave on the back burner. And uh, yes. uh, Bren, yeah. I just I'm conscious that uh, obviously building spirituality uh, means that uh, the individual has to be a strong spiritual leader, but how do I get that? And then I've got to somehow mentor my family uh, as well. Mm. Can you help us out? I mean, how how do you? I mean, how would you recommend? I mean, you're a pastor, many years experience. Yeah. How would you recommend sure. this? Well, the way I approach it, um, I, I need to say for the benefit of those who are listening today that I'm actually a grandfather. And uh, one of the reasons we're going back to Adelaide is to hopefully spend a bit more time with our grandchildren. I have two grandchildren with the third on the way. Mm-hmm. And um, they do love their grandpa very much <laughs> and vice versa and their grandma as well. becomes very addictive um, after a while, well, actually. It, it is. It is. Um, the interesting point is you asked a question. You said, how do you, that's me personally, uh, develop spirituality? Now, you can read any number of books, any number of articles, um, any, any, uh, you can YouTube it um, and you can get all sorts of pointers from various ministers, spiritual leaders, for worship leaders, etc., etc. Let me give you a simple example of what I use, and I've found it very, very effective. I'm not suggesting it's the only way, but my so, personal so, devotion. So, so, so let me clarify. This is what what you do to it's what I do up, to, to maintain your personal spiritual life. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Share with us. Yeah. It's it's what I do every day uh, of the week. Uh, I usually get up early in the morning. I'm a bit like you, Gary. I'm an early riser. Sometimes I'm up at 5.30, but usually around 6 o'clock. I spend time between 6 and 7 in reading God's Word, and I've found a method that I believe is, is certainly um, brought me closer to Jesus in, specifically. There is a book known as <clears throat> The Desire of Ages. Mm-hmm. I would recommend to our listeners, if they don't have the desire of ages, I know it's not our featured book for this week. I'm well aware of that. However, if they would like a copy of it, they are available. You can get them from um, Faith FM, I'm sure, by contacting Faith FM and asking for a copy of Desire of Ages. Yeah. Um, the books are available in uh, paperback style, and they're not terribly expensive. 
What I've found is uh, this week, for instance, I'll give you an example. This week I've been looking specifically at the issues regarding Christ's crucifixion. I started earlier in the week by reading the chapter entitled Gethsemane. Mm. Now, before I did that, at the beginning of each chapter, it will say something along the lines of, this chapter is based on Matthew 27, verses 16 to verse 50. Mm. So, uh, because... I believe that the Bible is our sole uh, source of faith and doctrine. Mm. I read the Bible reference first. So I read mm. Matthew 27, verse 15, or 16 to mm. verse 50. Mm. Then I read the chapter entitled Gethsemane because mm. it just broadens out my understanding what I've read in Scripture. The mm. other thing that you can do and that I would recommend to our listeners is put yourself in the picture. Yeah. So when it's talking about poor old Peter denying his Lord with cursing and swearing, that's me. When mm. it's talking about the disciples who really do want to support Jesus because they can see that he's mm. greatly upset and greatly distressed, mm. but they keep falling asleep all the time, mm. that's me. Mm. Now there, uh, when you put yourself in those scenarios, then the next day I didn't do the next chapter. I went over to the chapter on Calvary. Mm -hmm. Just imagine that I was either John, probably the Apostle John standing at the foot of the cross mm -hmm. looking mm -hmm. at Jesus. Yeah. And uh, Jesus says to me, your mother, your son. Yeah. And so I had the responsibility of taking Jesus' mother. Now, it's interesting because I've been to Turkey, which is mm -hmm. where... Um, in the uh, the region of Ephesus where they believed that Mary's last place was because John was the um, the pastor of the church, the Christian church in Ephesus. I've mm -hmm. actually been to the ruins there, which is the most interesting experience. But then today um, we did, he is risen, yeah. the triumphant rising of Christ from the dead. I cannot personally recommend a better way of having a close relationship with Jesus than get hold of this book, read read the scripture references first. Yeah, no, Brent, what you're actually what you're actually saying there, I think, is is so vitally important. Uh, do you know, um, so much about parenting is not actually yep. what I say; it's very much what I do and how I do it. And and, one, and it's who you are, uh, who you are, and and actually having that vibrant spiritual experience. You know, I, I, when I was at school. I could actually uh, tell those teachers that had a, a, a depth of spiritual life in them and those yes. that uh, certainly didn't have. Um, a, in fact, um, one yeah, of the, I believe that. Well, mm. one of the most interesting things that I've I, I've noticed in in ministry, and I'm I'm forty years into you know ministry now, uh, is that uh, in fact, in some ways, it's actually very frightening to me uh, because I've discovered that after a pastor is at a particular church for a period of time, and normally it takes five or six years to this for this to occur, but the sure. church itself starts to replicate the personality of its pastor or its leader. And I, I found where you've got a deeply spiritual leader in place, the church starts to grow spiritually. Uh, when you it actually, does, Gary. Yes, when, does. when you have somebody uh, who, who maybe uh, you know, doesn't have that depth of spirituality, the church mm -hmm. takes on a different form. And 
you know, to, to me, as I look at this, I turn around and say, hey, how important that is in the, in our family life as well, because so often our, our children actually are picking up, uh, where mum and dad are actually at. If in fact mum and dad are just spending all their time on their devices, then is it a surprise that, you know, the, the young people come uh, to see the uh, device as being preeminent, uh, in, uh, in relational format, uh, relational format? And I believe that's true. Among the young people down here in Mount Gambier, we have, um, a young people's meeting in our home yeah. every second Friday evening down here. Now, varies in attendance, I recognise that, but we always have tea together with the young people who come, and following that we always have a Bible study, and um, I'm talking about a decent Bible, not a a surface skimming of the word, we really like to get into it, and uh, I have seen uh, some of our young people in particular really grow through this experience, but if I've not had the experience myself, I'm I'm really just uh, playing church. Mm. And uh, I think sometimes we try and get away with playing church. We think we know enough biblically to be able to run off something. But people can pick up sooner or later whether you have a genuine relationship with Jesus or whether it's just uh, put on for the occasion. And, of course, our children can pick that up up in double-quick time. And uh, this is where passing on, uh, I can't pass something on that I don't have myself. That you haven't got. But, Mm. Brent, look, tell me something. I mean, that's talking about, you know, I suppose, to me, what is foundational here, that's the the spiritual life of the leader, of the parent, of the teacher, uh, of the uh, of the person, of the pastor who's leading the church. But look, how is there any other way that I can be intentional about passing on? Um, I suppose uh, my my spirituality to my family. Uh, I believe with family worship. Family worship tends to be a bit formulaic sometimes. Um, Dad says, come for worship. We're going to have worship. So the kids are doing whatever they're doing, so they come in for yeah, worship. Brenton, we get, it, Brenton, we get out a worship book and we read that. Yeah, Brenton, can I just break in here? Because yeah. I'm conscious that some of our listeners may not be, may be unfamiliar with this term uh, family worship. I mean, I mean yep. exactly what is that? Family worship is simply mum and dad getting together with the children and saying, let's pray to Jesus and uh, read something from the Word of God or read some some uh, book or a section of a book that is gives you something to contemplate for the day, something to help you get through the day. So that's probably the best way of putting so in other words, um, with uh, with young children, it might be, yep. you know, it might be... Bible they, stories. Bible Probably story. Bible stories, you know, il- illustrations. You can share. I like reading Bible stories to kids. I mean, I, I, I really enjoy it, and I think they enjoy it as well. Mm. But, you know, what? another thing that could be done as they get a bit older, I'm talking, you're talking, and you and I are talking about younger mm. children, but as you get a bit older, why not... Um, when during this time, rather than you doing all the talking or you doing all the reading or whatever it is, why not say to one of your young um, family members, why don't you prepare a study for us for the next uh, mm. um, time we get together to have worship? And, in other words, allow them the opportunity to prepare a Bible study or a presentation, a short presentation on what Jesus means to them or what they have found from the Word of God 
I think we need to challenge people today, Gary, both within church and also listeners who maybe are still coming to know about Jesus. We need to challenge them to read the word of God for themselves. Don't start at the book of Genesis. I would recommend starting at the book of Mark. Mark is what I call the all-action gospel. Yeah. Um, it, it, <laughs> you know from having read it yourself that often the book of Mark starts with, and immediately he did such and such, and yeah. immediately he, he was some... It's almost as though Mark's got so many things to say and he hasn't got enough time to say them, a bit like our program today, and uh, he's, he's wanting to get out uh, as much information and uh, as much evidence that Jesus is the Messiah as possible. Um, I would recommend and have done to people who have said, look, I don't know anything about God. How do I get to know who God is? Mm. How do I get to know who Jesus is and what did he do? I say, read the book of Mark. I said this to a friend of mine who's an indigenous person. She rings me the next day and said, I've read it. I said, what, 16 chapters? And she said, yes. I said, well, this time read it slowly. And as you go through it, make notes. (laughs) <laughs> and I said, number two, put yourself, as I've said earlier on in our discussion here, yeah. I said to her, put yourself in the situation of the people that you're reading about. Yeah. Yeah, I know, in other words, I, I know, Brenton, that I know in, in my own case, I mean, these two things of, you know, being spiritually alive yourself and then being intentional about passing on that spiritual or mentoring your family is yes, actually so absolutely. important. And I, I, I know in my own case, one of the things that uh, ways that I like studying the Bible is actually uh, to actually, uh, I actually hand write it on occasions. And in fact, at the present time, I'm actually, um, That's good. Um, four, yeah. four or five chapters. Uh, into the book of Revelation, just rewriting it by hand and making my own comments there. And uh, what I find is that that actually slows me down uh, so that I've got opportunity to think because, you know, I, I live in such a fast-paced world that my mind just seems to just keep on uh, going. But when I start to handwrite uh, and not type but handwrite, uh, what I find uh, is that things slow down and concepts that are within the Word of God seem to bounce out at me in a way that they don't otherwise. And then I, I've also found that, you know, in um, – uh, in, in Family, family worship. You know, one of the things that we used to enjoy doing, and uh, I, I mean, I'm not sure how much our, our kids enjoyed it all the time. But uh, you know, we, we used to have some uh, children's songs. I mean, they'd go along to, uh, uh, to 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 church. We'd go along week by week at uh, uh, in the uh, in the children's uh, uh, ministry uh, portion. Uh, they'd learn uh, simple uh, Christian songs, and certainly uh, we would uh, come uh, come home, and uh, uh, we used to. Uh, uh, we, we'd sing those. Now, you know, I'm actually tone deaf. So, you know, for, <laughs> for, for, for me, I mean, uh, people say, oh, I couldn't do that, I can't sing. Uh, well, I'm actually tone deaf and, it must, and I understand why the kids were probably, you know, um, you know <laughs> maybe didn't take it up as quickly yeah. as, what, as what I would have, would have liked to have. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, it's thought. something I enjoy doing because, as you know, I'm a singer. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, hmm. I, I, I think this, you know, I think there's two words here, personal spirituality, if we're going to uh, build up Mm. spirituality, Mm. and intentionality is the other one. Uh, Finding ways to intentionally, uh, I mean, I I know that um, uh, some parents uh, like to actually have prayer with their children before they go to bed at night. 
uh, Lord, yes. I want you know, bless bless my child, I, and and talk, spending time talking to them, uh, sharing uh, sharing your own your own faith, and you know, uh, there, there are some of these things that we look back and we say, hey, you know, I should have done some of these things better, yeah. but you know. This yeah. availability Paul, Paul touched, is so uh, important. Yeah, that's right. Paul touched on a very important point, actually, in your interview with him. It was not, it, um, I, I picked up on it straight away, and that is that it's not the amount of time you spend, it's the quality of the time that you spend yeah, yeah, with, indeed, with your children. Indeed. Um, indeed. I, I, I have a text here that I think is uh, pretty good for all of us. We're about to get knocked off. We're, our time is, is about, we're down to about a minute and a half. So, uh, um, okay. what, what is that text? John sixteen thirty three. These Share things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. What have we been talking about this week? <laughs> In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Uh, the actual word for tribulation in the New King James Version is pressure. Mm, In this world yeah. you will have pressure. Okay. Be of okay. good cheer, I have overcome the world. I reckon that's a good takeaway um that's powerful. Yes, That's powerful for our listeners for this week, as we've discussed this particular topic of um, that we have been looking at. Yep, we can uh, confidently go into next week and the weekend, knowing that let's, Christ says, "Let's pray." Oh, you've got peace in me. Let me pray together, Father in heaven, Lord. Indeed. Let's pray that you'd listen to. I pray that you would be with our listeners right now. I pray that you might bless, you might guide, that you might direct them and in their family life also. We pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, uh, thank you so much for uh, uh, for being with us. Our time is up today. Thank you for joining Pastor Gary and Brenton Wilkinson on Drive Time Big Q and A. Please join us next week uh, when we have got a brand new subject. Really look forward to seeing you then. But until then, please remember, Christ said, "I'm leaving you with a gift: peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives." So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly Great bless promises. you.